The Leach Report Radio Network is on the air with the voice of the Wildcats, Tom Leach. This is where the Big Blue Nation comes for the latest news and views on the Cats. Interact with the show now by tweeting at Leach Report or email leachreport at gmail.com. Call us at 877-904-1080. Now, the voice of your Wildcats, Tom Leach. Good Monday and welcome in to the Leach Report for another week. Hope you guys had an enjoyable weekend. Oh my goodness, is it going to be hot and humid in the coming week. Um, I did see, speaking of weather, where the typhoon is going to skirt past Tokyo, so they're not going to get uh, as as heavy a dose of the uh, rainy weather as they were expecting for the Olympics. Um, we'll talk a little bit about the Olympics today with the UK flavor coming up on the show. John Hale will join us from the Courier-Journal. Uh, also, Tom Hart from ESPN and the SEC Network. And uh, hoping that Coach Harry Mullins is going to be able to join us as well to talk about one of his uh, rifle team members winning gold at the Olympics. So let's jump right into the Wildcat news of the day. Will Shaner from the U.K. rifle team set a new Olympic record in the 10-meter air rifle competition to take the gold. And um, his teammate on the U.K. team, Mary Tucker, uh, finished sixth in her first event uh, I think it was on Saturday, and both are competing again today, I believe, in two events, or at least Tucker's in two events. Also, Lee Kiefer, a med student at UK and a Lexington, Kentucky native, won gold for the first time ever for the U.S. in foil fencing, and it was her third time to the Olympics, and she gets the gold. So uh, really cool for both of them, and uh, Lee was interviewed on the Today Show this morning, so that was cool to see the uh, Lexington connection. And one point over the weekend, they were talking one of the Olympic updates on NBC about uh, you know the uh, University of Kentucky or Lexington, Kentucky, I forget which, uh, uh, with Shaner and uh, Kiefer. So uh, really cool weekend for the U.S. I saw somewhere, I can't remember where I read this, but somebody said the University of Kentucky would be sixth in the medal count right now. Um, and Sydney McLaughlin still to come once they get into the track competition, I guess, later this week, certainly into next week. Uh, we'll talk about uh, some of that with John Hale, who's uh, written about Sydney and also uh, Kiefer and Shaner. Uh, basketball, not so good for the Americans. France beat the U.S. in the first game of Olympic competition, ending a 25-game winning streak for the American team going back to 2004. Uh, Bam Adebayo had a double-double. It was 12-10 and 10 for the U.S. Uh, Devin Booker coming off the bench after uh, the long trip to Tokyo uh, made only one shot. And uh, Keldon Johnson got some PT but uh, did not score in the game. So uh, now the U.S. has put itself uh, with its uh, back against the wall in the Olympics. And uh, I guess, I think everybody thought, well, maybe they'd get it together once they got to the Olympics. But after they lost the two exhibition games to Nigeria and Australia, uh, I guess this shouldn't have been such a big surprise. And maybe it wasn't a big surprise to many of you. SEC expansion, still a big story. Uh, we'll uh, talk about that with our guests today. Texas A&M's Board of Regents is meeting today. Their president, uh, over the weekend, put out a statement that... Um, poured cold water on any notion that the Aggies would 
be talking about leaving the SEC. Uh, one story I read suggested that this meeting may be about do they, in fact, vote no or not on Texas because I think last week I mentioned Tony Barnhart, longtime college football writer uh, in the South, so he's covered the SEC probably for as long as he's been writing, uh, and he said it'll be 14 when the vote finally comes. So that may be what this Board of Regents meeting is about. Are they actually going to go on the record and vote no or not? Uh, I've had to guess. I guess they probably would. won't matter. Uh, I think they'll have the league will have uh, easily have the votes to accept Texas A&M or Texas and Oklahoma. The Big 12 reportedly is making an offer of bigger shares to Texas and Oklahoma to try to entice them to stay. Instead of one share, they'd get one and a half shares, and then the the money would be comparable to the SEC, what they would get with their cut of the uh, SEC money. So, you know, this has kick-started a lot of things in motion. Other leagues will be, depending on what Texas A&M and Oklahoma, what Texas and Oklahoma ultimately do, uh, will affect other leagues, I would think in particular the Big Ten. So just keep watching. The media at, uh, on Friday uh, picked Kentucky football third in the SEC East, and uh, that's the highest ever. Now it goes back to 92 when the, was, since we've had divisions, but uh, since they've gone to divisions, it's the highest Kentucky's ever been picked in this preseason poll at conference media days. Cats even got a couple of first-place votes. Darian Kennard was named by the media to the first-team all-conference squad. Josh Paschal to the second team. Chris Rodriguez, Luke Fortner, Yusuf Corker to the third team. A couple of basketball recruiting notes. UK has offered uh, two shooting guards at the class of 2022, Kaysen Wallace and Nick Smith, Jr. Links to the stories that we talk about can be found on the Bud Light Leach Report page at TomLeachKY.com. We're coming to you from the Clark's Pump and Shop Studio here in Lexington. And John Hale will lead us off when we come right back on the Leach Report. Can't get to a radio? You can listen to us live on the web at talkradio1080.com. Now, back to the show. Quarter past the top of the hour, we welcome in John Hale from the Courier-Journal on the DrinkSword.com hotline. Uh, Let's start with... The uh, conference expansion story, John, and Oklahoma and uh, Texas, and um, is it does it still feel like it's a it's a done deal, or is there still a little life left in the Big Twelve? Yeah, I mean, I guess the Big Twelve put out a statement last night that they haven't given up yet, so uh, we'll see. Um, it would be hard to imagine that, given everything that happened last week, that it would come back from the brink at this point. But you know. Stranger things have happened, I guess. We can uh, we'll be interestedly watching this play out over the next days and weeks. Um, I do wonder if maybe even when we get the official announcement that you know Texas and Oklahoma are leaving the Big 12, if it still takes some time after that uh, to get confirmation or the final decision that they're coming to the SEC, whether you know the Big 10 or somebody else, the ACC, tries to make a play for them. Um, whether Texas A&M can put up enough of a, a stink that you know it, it at least causes some pause in the SEC. I think some of those are still questions out there. But given that even when the first report came out last week that nobody anywhere uh, even made a, a half-hearted effort to deny it, I think that, that we all know where this is going to end up. Mark Stoops was asked about uh, adding, a, I guess, a ninth game to the league schedule at media days last week. He's not a fan of that, clearly. But – 
if they add these two teams and you know big motivation is going to be the additional TV money, it's hard to imagine that Texas and Oklahoma come into the league and they stay at eight league games. Would you agree? Yeah, I, I, I would think that they'd absolutely have to add at least one more. And if you're Stoops, maybe at that point you just hope that they don't add two more league games to the schedule. And, uh, with you know playoff expansion coming, everybody's already talking about what that's going to do, adding you know extra games for player health reasons and all that kind of stuff. It's going to be an interesting debate for sure. From a Kentucky standpoint, uh, it would be interesting if they do add a game, what the rules are for the non-conference um, matchups. Do they just drop the FCS game, which you know has been something that has been a discussion point in the past, you know, requiring all your non-conference games to be against FBS opponents? Or do they, you know, give them free range? And at that point, if you're Kentucky, if you've added uh, one more SEC opponent and you have full control of your three non-conference games, is the Louisville series at risk because you know, you're still trying to build to that, make sure you've hit that six-win plateau every year, and that's going to get even more difficult in the SEC. I mean, I would think they'd do everything possible to keep that series uh, going, but you know, in in a world where you're playing nine SEC games, I, I don't know that we know for sure what the schedule would look like. There's just so many things that uh, we don't know. What would they do with the the schedule? Would be uh, you know at the top of the list. Let's assume it, Oklahoma and Texas come in. There's been talk about uh, expanding the just expanding the divisions, and maybe Alabama and Oklahoma come to the east. Or excuse me, Alabama and Auburn come to the east. Oklahoma and Texas go to the west, and um, then there's also been talk, which this latter one is is actually just more appealing to me as a fan, where you'd have four pods of four teams, and so you'd play those three teams every year, and then you'd play two teams from each of the other three pods every year, and that you know that makes nine very workable in that way. Plus, you get uh, a lot of variety to the. You there? Yes. Did you hear me? Oh, well, yeah, you just cut out for a second. I don't know what Oh, happened. sorry. Did you hear the question? Yeah, um, talking about the schedule, I, I think I, I would also prefer the pod system. That makes the most sense for me. Uh, I think for fans, it's exciting. You get a little more variance in, in the teams you're seeing. I mean, it's it's strange that, you know, since Texas A&M and Missouri uh, joined the SEC, it, it took so long for uh, Kentucky to even host A&M. And so uh, you would avoid similar situations like that in the future. Um I think it's an interesting kind of dynamic where Kentucky fits in because it's the northernmost team in the league. You could put them in about three. To, I've seen the various proposals for what the pods would look like. I've seen Kentucky grouped with almost every team in the league, it seems like, at, at some point. So uh, that would be fun for us locally just to see where they play out. But uh, I would hope that they do everything they can to make sure Kentucky and Tennessee play at least every year. But, um, you know, Tennessee has other rivals in the SEC, and I don't think they view Kentucky as their main rival, so I'm not sure that that would be a, a guarantee either. Yeah, that's the the one thing that I think uh, could happen that would be disappointing for Kentucky fans in particular is if they uh, were only playing Tennessee uh, sporadically. Yeah, definitely. It's, it's the same situation as in, in basketball on the opposite end, where uh, you, you have to come up with these traditional rivals that you play every year, and every team thinks they're Kentucky's rival, and Kentucky doesn't know who their <laughs> SEC rival is. So uh, I don't know that Kentucky would be high on anybody's list, but for us, you know, selfishly, I hope that they would at least maintain that game. We're talking with John Hale from Courier-Journal.com. We'll get to a break and come back. I uh, want to talk about uh, some stories he's written about Olympic athletes from U.K., And we'll get to that 
when we return. It's the Leach Report Radio Network. If you go to courier-journal.com, one of the stories there that uh, you can punch up is about uh, Lee Kiefer uh, winning gold and uh, giving great credit to uh, her family about uh, Will Shaner from the UK rifle team winning uh, gold. And uh, that one is penned by John Hale, who is joining us here on the drinksword.com hotline. And um, this is the just uh, the latest in uh, a a long stack of uh, bricks of accomplishment for Coach Harry Mullins of the UK rifle team. Yeah, I mean, they've obviously been a national power for years now. Uh, they had an alum win gold uh, in Rio, so five years ago, uh, a former athlete. Now they've had a current athlete uh, win a gold medal. Um, it's interesting, of the, they have two shooters uh, in, in Tokyo, and uh, Will was actually the one who was not picked to win a medal, uh, Mary Tucker, who was the uh, most outstanding player when they won their national championship in the NCAA um, in the spring, was picked to win gold or at least medal in the women's uh, air rifle. She struggled in a final, had one bad round, finished in sixth. And then the next day, when we all woke up in the morning, because it happened at about 3 a.m. Eastern time, uh, Will you know, shocked the, the rifle world, I guess, and, and won his event, uh, got the gold medal. They both have more events coming. They're in the mixed team. Tomorrow morning, not with each other, but um, both the U.S. entries, one on each of the teams, and then Mary has another, um, the three women's three position later in the week. But for Will, it's it's such a great moment. You just think back to, what, just more than a year ago, a year and a half last March, they were getting ready to prepare for that, um, the national championship in Memorial Coliseum, hosting it, and the, everything gets shut down with the pandemic as they're in their warm-up rounds. And then you go from there. They had already uh, qualified for Tokyo. The Olympics get postponed. That had to be such a low moment. And a year later, they've won the national championship. Uh, he won the World Cup earlier this spring, and now he's got a gold medal. Uh, I was going back and forth with Tony Neely from UK yesterday, and, and we think that he's actually the first active UK athlete in terms of coming back to school next year to win a medal at the Olympics since the 1948 basketball team. So that tells you how wow. it is and what an accomplishment. That uh, that is impressive, and then you also have a story about Sydney McLaughlin, who will be uh, starting to compete uh, either, I guess, what late this week or certainly into next. Yeah, uh, the track and field stuff starts at the end of this week, so her preliminary rounds will, I think, start Friday. Uh, but the the four hundred meter hurdles, which she's the world record holder and set the world record in the trials, it, the the final is Monday or Tuesday. It's the beginning of the next week. But yeah, she's uh, obviously already one of the faces of Team USA. She's in all the promotional materials from you know the various sponsors. And just kind of looking back, I, I caught up with Edric Floriel last week, the former track coach who's at Texas now, about her year at Kentucky. She did the one-and-done thing like so many basketball players have done and what their goal was. Because, I mean, she'd already been to Rio. She was uh, an Olympian at, at 17. Uh, she could have gone straight pro out of high school, but but decided to come to Kentucky for a year and, and what they got out of that. And so much of it was preparing her for this moment because they knew that one day she was going to be one of the faces of track and field. And when she got there, how was she going to handle it? And so much of what they did that year was preparing for it. And, you know, it's obviously paid off in a big way. Yeah, it would have paid off in an even bigger way if name, image, and likeness had been in place then. Yeah, it's interesting. Uh, he, Edric told me that the original plan was for her to stay two years in Kentucky, and she ended up just being so dominant that they, you know, didn't see much point in her coming back to break her own records in the second year. But if she had been able to make 
uh, so much, you know, money off her own endorsements. Maybe that's something she would have done because she had, you know, uh, over a hundred thousand, uh, Instagram followers, and I think 70,000 Twitter followers at the time among Kentucky athletes. We talk about the basketball team and NIL all the time, but I don't know that there's been a, a recent UK athlete who would have profited more off it than, than Sydney would have. Yeah, it uh, would certainly seem so. Let's uh, get to SEC football media days that wrapped up uh, last week. Uh, any takeaways for you that uh, were noteworthy or surprising at all? I don't think there was anything super surprising. Obviously, the injury news, both uh, in the negative with Keaton Upshaw, Upshaw and the positive, and J.J. Weaver being a little ahead of schedule in his rehab was the news for us. I thought the most interesting thing, though, was you know I kind of joked around beforehand that you could write the same story every year from SEC Media Days for Kentucky, you know, not getting enough respect. Nobody, you know, believes they can do it. And there was none of that talk this year, which I was really surprised about. I think that that, sh- that, that kind of represents a shift in where the program is. They're not worried about, uh, you know, outside talk. They did end up getting voted third in the East, but that came a couple days after they, they took their turn at the podium. Uh, but I think that that's a, a new approach we're seeing, just kind of, co- you know, maybe a little more quiet confidence uh, going out there and proving it. You know, I'm sure that, you know, guys like Chris Rodriguez will, you know, have the chip on their shoulder from not being voted first team all SEC. Uh, but I think that they're at the point where, you know, after maybe a little disappointment last year, they know that, that, you know, whatever the talk is, it doesn't matter. It's how they go out and earn it on the field. And, and I think that's, that's definitely a positive development for them. You can read the stories we're talking about uh, with John on uh, Will Shaner and on City McLaughlin and all the U.K. coverage at courier-journal.com. Thank you, John. Thanks for having me. At John Hale underscore CJ on Twitter as well. Halfway home on this Monday edition of the Leach Report. Coming to you from the Clark's Pump and Shop Studio. Make sure to download their app for weekly specials that you can get at every Clark's location throughout Kentucky, including the new downtown Lexington one that's just been open for a few weeks across from where they're doing the Rupp Arena construction there on Main Street. Next up, we're going to talk with Coach Harry Mullins of the U.K. Rifle Team and then Tom Hart from ESPN and the SEC Network. This is the Leach Report on Talk Radio 1080. You can follow Tom on Twitter. It's at Tom Leach KY. Second half of our show for a Monday, we go back to the drinksword.com hotline and bring on UK rifle coach Harry Mullins, who had quite a weekend. Coach, that was uh, pretty cool. One of your uh, rifle team members, Will Shader, winning gold. And I uh, saw a note in a story from John Hale, who's just on with us, that at 20, Will is the youngest man to ever compete in the U.S. in an Olympic rifle event. And he did quite well. He did. I was so proud of him. Uh, you know, this has been something that he felt you know, that has been achievable for him you know, in the future. And for him to be able to do it at this age uh, is just phenomenal. You know, it's He's put so much work into it, probably at least the last nine or ten years. And to see his, see that dream come true is, is very, very special. What is it that uh, makes him elite in his sport? You know, a lot of them have the same common traits. It's just their determination to drive, you know, and willingness to put in the extra work when needed, uh, the passion for the game, and, and just the resolve of, of not giving in, you know, and an accepting change, you know, at, at a young age. You know, a lot of people feel when they're 16, 17 years old, that's the way they're going to be all their life. And, you know, a lot of times, you know, you change. And, and he accepted change as he matured through, you know, his high school years and into college to the point of really being able to utilize his mental strengths 
to, to handle the pressure. I mean, he did a phenomenal job in the final. I mean, that's a grueling event, you know, from the psychological aspect. And so I was so proud of him. How so? What what makes it so psychologically tough? It's you you know exactly what everybody has at any given moment, and once you shoot your shot, you can't stop the other guy from doing any better. You know, and so they get fifty seconds per shot um, when they're in the final. Uh, once they go into the elimination round and they announce the scores, let you know exactly where you stand, and sometimes it may be just a tenth or two tenths of a point that are going to separate you from getting to stay in or getting eliminated. And to give you an idea of a tenth of a point, that's about the thickness of a hair. You know, so knowing that, you know, just putting that pressure on yourself, you know, when you're in the lead, kind of like that runner, you know, the guy that gets in the lead, he knows everybody else is chasing. He doesn't worry about it until he looks back and he sees them. And then, you know, how do you react to that? Uh, Mary Tucker, uh, Will's teammate uh, there in Tokyo as well. Both of them, are are they competing again today? Uh, yes, so I guess probably about midnight tonight. Uh, okay. Tuesday, Tuesday, Tokyo time. Uh, they start the mixed team qualification. The first round, I want to say, is one 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 fifteen Tokyo time. And then if they make it through the first round, the second round is right at 2 o'clock. And if they make it through the second round, then the medal the medal matches are, I want to say, 3, 3.30, uh, again, all Tokyo time, you know, Tuesday. So it's going to be another late night for Coach. You know? <laughs> <laughs> but it's well, worth it. it is- I, I, I don't know if you were watching the swimming last night, but uh, the uh, young lady from Australia who defeated Katie Ledecky oh, yes. Uh, yes, in the 400 freestyle, if you saw his reaction, is that at all what you did when Will won the gold? You know, I was something similar to that, but I was in the living room by myself with my <laughs> golden, golden retriever, and uh, he kind of looked at me like I was a little crazy, but, you know, we celebrated a little bit together, so it was pretty neat. It, Maybe we can get NBC's uh, to put a Mullins cam in there for the uh, for Will and uh, Mary's yeah, competitions de- coming up. Definitely. Uh, you guys have won national championships, so uh, that's obviously a tremendous accomplishment. Uh, what does this mean to to your to your program and to you as a coach to have uh, one of your uh, shooters win gold? You know, towards the program, I think it validates you know Kentucky Rifle. Uh, you know, we've had you know you know will be our third Olympic gold medalist. So you know, over the last you know twenty twenty one years. And I think it just goes to show the effort that the kids give, you know, the support that they have from the athletic department, you know, and the university. I think it's tremendous validation that this Kentucky Rifle is a place where you can be successful and pursue your passion and dreams. Not to sound like a commercial, but that's, That's you know, I really really feel that way. Uh, And then to me as a coach is just being part of their journey. You know, that's, you know, as coaches, that's what we are a lot of times is, we're, you know, especially the Olympic athletes, we're a stop along their path, and hopefully we will have been able to contribute to their success, but to be able to help enhance themselves to the point of being able to achieve those dreams and see them reach those dreams is, that's priceless, like the MasterCard commercial. By the way, what's the Golden Retriever's name? Butterball. Butterball, okay. Well, Butterball. you and Butterball uh, enjoy uh, a late night uh, cheering for uh, Will and Mary. No, thank you. I appreciate it. 
Thanks, Harry. Coach Harry Mullins for UK Rifle, and uh, we're going to do a break. Tom Hart from ESPN and the SEC Network will join us when we come right back here on the Monday edition of the Leach Report. It's the Leach Report on Talk Radio 1080. Coming up next, it's Kentucky Sports Radio with Matt Jones. 18 away at the top of the hour. We welcome Tom Hart to the program via the drinksword.com hotline. You see him on ESPN and the SEC Network. And I know you've been watching some of the Olympics through uh, following you on, on Twitter. And I was just talking to Harry Mullins, the U.K. rifle coach, about one of his uh, team members winning a gold. And I asked him if when he – was watching the competition if he reacted like the coach of the Australian swimmer who beat Katie Ledecky <laughs> did last night. I'm just wondering, what what if any SEC coaches in football and basketball that you cover, could you imagine reacting that way? Oh, oh my <laughs> gosh. Well, I mean, there's more than I, I would imagine not acting that way. But, right. but I'd, like to see, I'd like to see Nate Oates in that situation. <laughs> or Mike Leach. Let's put... Let's let's put Mike Leach in there and see you know see him doing pelvic thrusts at the uh, upper level after his swimmer wins and up one and up after his swimmer beats Katie Ledecky. Yeah, or in his case, maybe after the you know, quarterback throws the uh, the game winning winning pass to beat Alabama. <laughs> yeah, well, okay, you know what? You just you just triggered something. Uh, Lane Kiffin would absolutely. If Lane Kiffin were an Olympic coach, that's how he would react. But only <laughs> if he called the play that won the race. Well, let's uh, talk a little SEC with respect to OU and Texas perhaps uh, joining the league and adding to our road trips to go to Austin and Norman. Uh, What do you think about this? Well, I think it's great for the SEC. Um, We're we're starting to get those bounce-back articles that are kind of think pieces out there that this isn't good for college sports. It's not why, you know, we got interested in college sports, generally speaking, but and, and I appreciate those because I'm a, I am a huge fan of tradition. I think anyone who follows uh, college football specifically probably has a little for tradition in there as well. But um, it, it's it's evident that this has become uh, almost a, a game of survival. And, and Greg Sankey fired the the largest blow to the Big Twelve, number one, but other conferences as well. That you know it's um, it's. It's lead, follow, get out of the way, and, and nobody else is leading except for Greg Sankey to go out and, and make this happen. So it, it certainly solidifies the SEC. It's great for my employers, ESPN and the SEC Network, um, and and I, I love going to Austin, Texas. And, and if I can do a football game in Oklahoma, that'd be fun too. So I think yeah. overall, it's a it's a solid, more than solid, it's a great move for the league. I uh, I can understand. I had a conversation with a friend yesterday about you know. Some of the things you were talking about that are being written, I can, I under, I can understand that, and I uh, can uh, can share some of those same sentiments as far as you know tradition and uh, not everything is always you know better when it's uh, bigger. By the same token, from a business standpoint, I mean you're you're not doing your job if you're Greg Sankey and you have a chance to get Oklahoma and Texas and you say no, thank you. Uh, you can you know we can talk about. You know, nobody writes letters anymore, or you can get the best texting machine. I mean, you know, you <laughs> you uh, have no, to change you're with absolutely the right. So, so when people say, "Well, wh- why would the SEC want to do this?" Um, if for no other reason, and I'm not saying this is the number one, but if for no other reason, you do it to to prevent your competitors from doing it. 
Um, Texas and Oklahoma, evident they were going to leave the Big 12 and based on what they've been doing for the last six months plus and whether they go to the ACC or the Pac-12 or whatever whatever other options were out there, um, you go out and you, and you make your product better, and that's what Greg Sankey has done. There can be, for fans, some, some good elements, some bad elements. One of the good elements, I would think, and uh, in football – especially if they go to a pod system, you could get a little more variety in the football schedule and East could see West more often and and vice versa. And then in basketball, I think about for Kentucky, where there's always a complaint that they don't get enough uh, good games in Rupp Arena in the non-conference. Now, it wouldn't be non-conference, but with the conference getting bigger, I would think they would have to add more conference games, which would put them into December and which would you know bring in some more, quote-unquote, good games to home arenas. Yeah, I think I think Kentucky basketball could still choose to play meaningful non-conference games because of the strength of that roster year in and year out. Others may not. Football-wise, um, those that have non-conference rivalries, I would assume, would be allowed to keep them and have enough space. Others may choose to go away from what they do in the non-conference traditionally. But you hit the nail on the head. Isn't it kind of odd, though, Tom, that uh, the league had to expand? to get to more conference games and and where that came from in my mind is is playing uh, strictly a conference schedule last year the tv partners obviously loved it the conference looked at it and said man this this kind of makes sense um why are we paying others to come to our stadiums why are we paying to uh getting paid to go to neutral site stadiums why can't we just play each other remember you you had two teams uh it's really just it's really just one game and that would be on a, on a rotation um, so the football schedule's biggest change will be because of those two entering the league, if going to a pod system or going to an, an extra game. And I think that's, I think that's great for the league. I think it is, you know, to, to face a team from the other division once every seven years or whatever that may be, uh, that, that doesn't feel, look, or smell like a conference to get a regular rotation where fans can go to those markets and, and those teams and those coaches and great players can show up in your stadium. That's a good thing. You uh, saw one of your uh, engagements on Twitter. You were talking with uh, some fans uh, or media members. I can't remember which. But you made the point that conference expansion is not driven as much by TV market size as it used to be uh, for fans that are reading and and hearing a lot about this right now with OU in Texas. uh, What is driving the bus? Well, just just to that point, I remember – I was working the Big Ten Network at the time or joining the Big Ten Network, and we had this big talk about Missouri or Nebraska to the Big Ten, and the Big Ten said, you know what, that we can get the Kansas City market better by adding Nebraska. So we add all of Nebraska. We had the second largest market in Missouri by going to a team that's, uh, you know, a border. So that was absolutely part of it back then. Rutgers, um, you know, going to the Big Ten, huge TV market. Maryland, get the D.C. Uh, TV market into the Big Ten and the Big Ten Network to pay for all those uh, because all those households are paying a couple dollars uh, per cable subscriber. As cable subscriptions have gone down, um, that is that is less important and it's more about eyeballs that you can draw direct to your digital platform, whether that be ESPN Plus or Big Ten Plus or Fox Go. I can't keep track of all of them. I mean, look, why did NBC put the men's basketball game against France on Peacock instead of on NBC Sports uh, yesterday morning? It was because they're trying to drive subscriptions to that service. So 
Texas football gets a lot of eyeballs. That draws uh, a lot of subscriptions to your service. Same for Oklahoma. And it's not just those within the state. It's those nationally. Think about it from a Kentucky basketball perspective. How many Kentucky fans are outside of the Commonwealth and live coast to coast that are willing to plunk down five, ten dollars a month for um, ESPN Plus to watch their team? And that's that's where this business is going in the near future. Talking with Tom Hart. We'll take a break and come back with one more segment on this Monday edition of the Leach Report. Tom Hart's with us for a few more minutes. You watch him on the SEC Network and ESPN. And let's uh, touch base on the Wildcats. And we'll start with uh, football since it's just around the corner. Kentucky was picked third in the media poll that came out of Media Days last week. Uh, after quarterback, is there another really big question for Kentucky football, or is it just a series of smaller ones? No, just a series of small ones. Um, I'm curious what the O-line is going to look like. That's been such a strength for Kentucky over the years. And obviously an emotional block to the, uh, to the team last year. So it, it, it looks like they've got good pieces in place there. Um, but expectations are high at offensive line at Kentucky nowadays. To me, when I handicap how good a season Kentucky can have, the, the pivotal game that I point to right off the bat is the first SEC game uh, when Missouri comes to town, that'll be a night game week two. I assume that my crew will be there and Kroger, at Kroger Field to call that game, and, and back on the road would be a lot of fun for us. But it's it's big for a couple reasons. I think Florida takes a, a half-step back this season, and I think Missouri and Kentucky are going to be competing with Florida for that number two spot. So that's been a, a really interesting series over the years and, and seemingly always close games, whether it's Lynn Bowden in the rain or a last-second win in Columbia for the Cats. So, um, so to me, I, I view that as a, as a really important game in the East. You guys anticipating being on site for your work this year? That's the, that's the word so far. No one's told us any differently. So, um, yeah, fingers crossed we're able to, to pull that off as planned for right now. Uh, you were out of uh, your basement last year, weren't you? I'm sorry, you dropped out on me, Tom. You were out of working out of your basement last year, correct? I, I was. I was. And I've got a, I've got a great basement, um, but I'm, I'm tired of seeing it. Okay. Yes. I'm ready to stand in TSA lines and deal with flight delays and game day traffic. I never knew that I would miss game day traffic so much. Uh, a little thought on Kentucky basketball and the roster Cal has uh, constructed to this point. Well, I, I was a little bit surprised that Coburn wasn't, uh, I guess, depending on who you listen to, right? But wasn't, um, pursued a little bit harder he was he was so impressive to me for illinois last year just as a force inside on the offensive end yes but also on the defensive end and and kentucky's been missing um a rim protector i think over the last couple years we've we've gotten used to seeing great ones that must give them because listen kofi coburn is no secret right um and he's established so that must give them great confidence in what they already have in that spot on the floor and could also be, the way I look at it, a hint as to the style of play that, that Cal wants to play and maybe 
Um, I guess modernizing it would be one way to think about it, and I think all of those are great things for the Cats. Yeah, I kind of had the same thought on your last last point that uh, the Coburn thing. You know, he's he's a, a obviously an, a tremendous player, but he would probably slow you down if uh, you, you'd, you'd be definitely looking to play a little differently if you had him. Oh, sure, yes, you would. Um, I'll just point out, you know, they earned a number one seed right. by being a very balanced team last year. They had they had great shooters, and they could score with that, whether that was inside or outside. And uh, Olympic basketball and the start, uh, the poor start for the Americans. Uh, quick thought on that before we let you go. I will now turn my attention to the women's three-on-three team coached by our dear friend Kara Lawson. Uh, they're off to a wonderful start. They won their first two. I think they won two overnight slash early this morning so uh that it, it that is where my attention will go if i want to watch olympic basketball yeah I, I'll, I'll go with you on that i like kara and uh she is she was a I, I, she's as good a coach as, as she was a broadcaster they should be just fine <laughs> i think they're in really great shape and it's fun it's fun when you know people and faces whether it's uh you know yeah. a kentucky rifle shooter or coach as you watch it uh halfway across the world Tom, thank you for the time. Enjoy the Olympics. All right, Tom. Thanks, buddy. See you second week of September, hopefully. Um, That's going to do it for this edition of the Leach Report. Uh, Coming up uh, tomorrow, Chris Doring will get his take on SEC football. And Larry Vaught, of course. So we'll see you then. Have a great day, everybody. It's been the Leach Report from the Clark's Pump and Shop Studio. for listening to the leach report make sure you check out the podcast page at tomleachky.com whenever you miss a show and be sure to follow the leach report facebook page if you have a question for tom email it to leachreport at gmail.com see you next